Today's episode of Hear That Podcast Ground is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Bengals tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play. Work that clock to your advantage and score last minute tickets. of Hear That Podcast, Growlin' Paul Daner Jr. here with Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Jay, how are we doing? Doing great this morning. How are you, Paul? How much sleep have you had? Oh, not much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not much, but that's okay. No one wants to hear about my problems because everyone's got problems of their own, don't they? They just want to talk about the Bengals' problems. Yeah, that's true. Them. And I'm assuming I'm assuming there's issues with a lack of sleep probably happening uh, uh, amongst the staff at Paul Brown Stadium right now too, uh, considering the giant mess that's happening. Yeah, they, coaches don't sleep a lot as is, even when things are going well. When when you're zero and four and the the season's on the brink, I, I imagine there's very little sleep at all. Yeah, uh, we got a lot to get to. I, I had one. Uh, thing uh i felt like was absolutely necessary in this episode um and that was going to be we it, we need optimistic bobby today we've we've never needed him more this is the time to see to, to why is there hope why is there any hope and and how should Bengals be feeling right now to keep them sane and so Optimistic Bobby, our great friend and uh, owner of 50 West Brewing Company, comes and joins me here later in the show. We're going to get to that. Uh, great stuff. They've got their awesome Brewing Q event that's coming up on November 1st, which I went to last year. It's They work with in collaboration with Great Lakes Brewing Company. Um, and it's a it's an all-you-can-eat barbecue that's fantastic. They do a, they do this collaboration beer. They, they bring all their stuff down, too. It's really awesome. So we talk a little bit about that, too. You look forward to that coming. And you, you just you need... You need the positivity. And, and Bobby points out there's a few holes that need to be filled, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which uh, I think might be one of my favorite parts of that conversation. Um, we're going to take you behind the curtain talking with Lou Anarumo, uh, Bengals defensive coordinator, about uh, what's going on on that side of the ball. I think the, the atrocities of the offensive line and everything maybe have overshadowed a bit um, some of the issues that are still continuing to happen on defense, even though that group has been slightly better. Um, and there's just a lot of news going on, too. Run passer boot is coming. We'll, we'll, we'll get to all that stuff for you. Um, let's let's start here. I think, you know, the the reaction that most people have had coming off of the Pittsburgh game as, as it went from anger and to acceptance to now like trying to figure out what to cling on to is 
what's the plan? Right? Like, what is the plan next? What you, they the Bengals look look rudderless. They look they look lost right now. The grand you got twelve games to find your rudder, uh, but right now it does not look like there's a plan. But there can be one, and it comes up here with the deadline approaching. I, I'm very very curious to see if this next month, the next four weeks, the you know the deadline is the 29th. So the deadline is a Tuesday after the Rams game in London, and then the Bengals have a bye. It is how active the Bengals could potentially be at that time in realizing that they just have to hit the restart button, trade off some of their older pieces, particularly A.J. Green, and just try to stock up on draft picks for next year and focus on that. I'm, I am curious how accepting they will be of doing that because it's very much out of their comfort zone or anything we've really seen from how they act. But... I mean, you I, they, you have to face reality. I mean, how how long? I think there was that 2010 year during Marvin's tenure where where it was obvious at that point that things were were gone. I, I can't remember if they lost their first eight that year or how bad it was, but no, they they started off okay and then they had a ten game losing streak in the middle. Okay, maybe it was maybe it was 08 that started horribly. I can't remember there they. All those years kind of run together, but yeah, I mean, what what does the record have to be at after the Rams game, or even you know some of these discussions are going to take place before that? But when do they? When does the front office accept that that this season is lost and they need to start planning for the future? I I kind of hate the tank word because that that's a it's more of a philosophy thing than nobody's the players and the coaches aren't going to be losing on purpose they're not you can't play this game to tank you're gonna you're gonna get hurt it's just it's not gonna go well but that that can be a front office philosophy where you just start trading off your great pieces I mean two and six even at three and five with the way it doesn't look like anyone's going to run away with this division so at three and five do they do they hold on to hope and and not move anybody thinking that they can turn this around? Um, I don't know. It's it's a tough question. I, I know what they should do. I think they should absolutely start looking to 2020. But like you said, that's that's not usually the MO of this front office. If if this team goes three and one in the second segment, uh, they're not trading anybody off. They're, they're thinking they went three and one. They got AJ Green back. They seen Zach Taylor found himself. They, you know, the, I'm sure they'd only be a game or two back. Um, you know, if they're sitting there at three and five, maybe the first place would be five and three. I mean, look at this division. You'd be two games back with all those home games against the division in the second half. If you went, if they went three and one in the second segment, there's there's no tr- there's no thoughts of trading from this front office. Let me guarantee you that. Um, to me, it's. Are they if they're one and seven, you can't really make any arguments. You know, two and six. I, I think that they would have to have find a win. If they won the right two, if they went and beat Baltimore and the Rams, you know, let's say they go and the, and the Rams, right? I mean, we know how recency bias can affect Mike Brown. Uh, we've seen that many years of uh, a coach that won the last couple games of a season hanging around. And I think the fact that thinking that they're building hope and, and there is the other side of the other side of this 
um, is we we have a, a we have a new coach trying to establish culture, trying to find winning culture, talking endlessly about culture, and how much would you be undercutting that culture by trading off all the veteran leaders in the room? Or, or does that establish some, does that add more hope for next year? I, I don't know how, you know, we saw how that went over in Miami. Everyone started demanding trades and wanted out, and, it, and it's ugly. Um, that's a button that you have to be absolutely certain that you want to push. Um and I, I don't know how willing they're they're going to be to do that. But honestly, I think it goes back to it's. I have a you know a list in, in in this week in Bengals of the tradable chips and who those guys could be. And I think you know mostly who they are. They're guys in their thirties. They're guys that are on big contracts. They're guys that you can get something for. Um, but it's really two guys. It's it's really AJ Green and Andy Dalton. And it's 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 do you have AJ Green? Um, as a, a your Larry Fitzgerald, is he your guy that you want to help? If you're if you are going to the young quarterback, if you have a top five pick and you take a quarterback next year, do you need that receiver to help pull him along, or do you look at him that way as a leader, as one of the true superstars that you can have and you want to hold on to? I can hear that argument. Or do you view him as you're not going to pay? There's no reason to pay star receivers in this league. There's no reason to pay guys for their age 32, 33, 34, 35 season up in the 20 million area especially on a team that might not be good for another year or two and if you decide that you have to trade him at the deadline i think you do i think you do because you got it you would get a third round comp pick in 2021 for him likely if you let him walk after this year and if you feel like that you're not going to get that deal done you you can get some you can get a two and some change for aj green half a season for a contender that desperately needs a playmaker the you know if the Packers are looking for a, a receiver weapon to play opposite Devontae Adams, you don't think they wouldn't give up a something for AJ Green? That to me that's that's where it's at. And then the Andy Dalton thing is a much bigger picture thing of if a team offers you blows you away because they freak out because they're a contender and they lose their quarterback, you've got to be willing to listen there too. Yeah, and that's what uh, talking about losing a quarterback. I think that's the only reason anybody would. I mean, who? Oh, yeah. Where's it going to be an upgrade at this point? If if you if you've got a guy that is is maybe not performing as well as or up to Andy's abilities, it's it's probably because it's a young guy that you're looking to build with. Anyhow, I don't see him being a major upgrade that where he's going to be a great trading piece, unless it is like you said, an injury. That kind of goes back to AJ too, because you mentioned you know, you could probably get a second round pick. Well, what if a team loses a star receiver? I I I think they could get a one for him if it's a if it's a really good team that needs suddenly needs a guy like AJ. I, I don't think a one would be out of the question um if that's the scenario. If it's a team just looking His health though, I I think his health hurts you. I mean you you will have seen him play maybe two games, one game, right? Yeah. Potentially. But there's a chance he may not have even played at all. I mean, likely he'll probably will have played a game. But will he, you know, you don't necessarily know. If you're only getting half a season and then his deal is up. I mean, there's – to give away a first-round pick would seem to be um, a, a, a big a big number. I mean, the Dalton thing – 
look, he is a he is a significant upgrade from every backup quarterback in the league. He is not a significant upgrade on any you know starting caliber quarterback. That's kind of who he is and has been for a long time. He can he can certainly get you by with pieces around him. He can win you a lot of games. He's done that. We know who Andy Dalton is. So if you have a team, you know, we talk about the Bears or or if you know, um, you know, name name your Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins gets hurt. Um, and Mike Zimmer has some familiarity, uh, and there's Minnesota sitting there, and they're six and two, or they're five, or whatever. They're right in it, and feel like they're just a quarterback away. He knows he can come in and be a game manager and hand the ball off like Mike Zimmer wants and make a few throws. Would they be willing to give up a one? Yeah, probably because they think they're they're trying to go win right now. And and if you ha- if you find a team in that unique situation, is when you would make the deal. Now, other than that, um, you know. You hold on to Andy this year. Even if you draft a top five quarterback, you're in that transition year. You could still potentially trade him next year for future picks if you wanted to and kind of hedge your bets. I don't think that they're really wanting to go out there and trade Andy Dalton necessarily right now. Um, that could be something you could do in the future, but they don't want to get caught where, okay, maybe the quarterbacks come out and they're not very good, and you or you don't get one, or you're picking fourth and there's three, and and, and next now you don't have anybody, or you're you're now you're playing with Ryan Finley, and maybe you're comfortable with that, but um, you know I, I think that there would be hesitation to make that move unless they got blown away. I think. Yeah, I mean, if. This team does what it's done in the past. That's that's a very real possibility that you you raised that if this team has done what it did so many times in that that lost decade of the '90s, where all of a sudden at the end of the year when nothing's on the line, they start turning things around and they they win a few games down the stretch and take themselves out of that top five pick and and then you're you know Brian Finley finds his footing and things starts clicking and then all of a sudden you don't have that that really good pick then it's, it's going to come back to bite you getting rid of Andy. I, I, I think there's just – I think AJ's way more likely to, to go than Andy. Um, yes, I, I agree. I just – like you said, unless someone blows him away, if there's a – if someone loses a quarterback and they have to they have to come overpay for Andy. But I just I, – I, I think there's – I think he wants to be here. Uh, I, I think there's there's just that – that whole loyalty, likability, familiarity, everything that just cohesion with the front office and Andy, um, they, they like what he represents. And I, I just, I don't, I don't see them dealing him to deal him. I, I, I think it's gotta be a, a knock your socks off kind of deal. And it, it's going to take a, a major calamity for, for a team to pony up that way. The mistake would be if, they don't get a contract done with him and don't trade him and just let him walk and end up getting a, th- a third-round comp. It would be a botch similar like we saw with A.J. McCarron where they never never traded him when they had the real opportunity when he actually had value, uh, were asking for too much, and ended up getting nothing. What did they, they got a sixth-round comp for A.J. McCarron, basically nothing. You know, sort of really botched that entire situation. So there's not... There's not a lot of, you know, outside of the Carson Palmer situation, there's not a lot of history of, of faith or a lot of history of willing and dealing or being willing to even enter this realm. Of course, we haven't seen them in this realm before. They've always been in the mix. So, you know, how how will they handle it? How does a new, a new staff handle it when there's you're, you have so much new and, and you, you are all about the future right now? There's a bit of a different feel than there was the last five, ten years of the Marvin Lewis era where – there was a lot of win now feeling because you were trying to hold on to that. 
Well, I mean, it, it just seems like now is the time that you just, you, I don't know how you sit here and try to hold on to trying to recreate the like 2015 magic. That was five years ago. You're talking about guys in their thirties. There's a clear need to, to flip this roster. We've talked about the lack of stars. We've talked about the, the, the top end of the roster being in their thirties. We've talked about all of that and there's clearly such a need for it. The question will be, um, how willing they will be to start hitting the buttons now. And I think this month will be the decider in that. Where do they sit come deadline day? Where do they sit? And, and, and who who's calling them and what are they offering? Um, bet, if I was gun to my head pick, percentage chance. Let, let's, let's do run past or boot early. Okay. Players they trade. Number of players they trade by the deadline. Zero, one, or two. Run pass or boot. Hmm, that's a really good one. Um, yeah, I mean, I, that's, I mean, honestly, I, that's, I, I mean, it's a. I'm going to boot run, too. I, would, I just, yeah. I, I, I think it'll be zero or one. You're booting, you're booting the total, the total turnover of the Dalton Green era and saying that's not going to Yeah, happen. I don't think it will. Um, I, I will, I'm going to, I will run with zero. I, I just, I don't know. I just. Kind of that my whole philosophy of never bet against the trend. Uh, this that you look at the trend of this this offense or this organization. Um, I'll run with zero. I'll pass on one. I do think it is possible, but it, it, it's even if they're willing, it, it's going to take someone on the other side to give them something maybe above what they they think the real value is. So I'll I'll run with zero, pass on one, and boot two. Yeah, I think I actually I think I would agree with you. My hesitation would be moving two up and seeing them realizing if they're one and seven, oh and eight, and realizing you have to hit the button. And there's no way no clearer way to hit the button than to send out Dalton and Green and Gain. You know, I think their takeaway, you could trade Dalton and Green and you'd probably end up with something in the realm of a one, a two, and a four extras for next year. I could see that that you could something to that effect. Maybe even another one in there. If you traded those two guys out to, to teams that were willing and and, and in need, um, you could probably gather enough of those pieces. If you thought about that, if you had a top five pick uh, that would be your quarterback of the future, another first round pick, plus you're getting Jonah Williams. So essentially three first round picks. Um, then you'd add an, an extra second and and so another middle round guy, and you got to start hitting on those. Obviously, the last thing Bengals fans want to see is more first round picks at this point. Probably, can they just <laughs> trade for like and have like ten twos uh, <laughs> instead of adding ones? Uh, I mean, I think that's kind of where they're at with that right now. But it's it, it's going to be a fascinating month. That's what we're watching closely. But go back to where you started. I mean, if they go. If they were to go three and one, if they were to beat Arizona, I mean, again, it's like, what are we talking about here? But I mean, they have they have fatal flaws that are unfixable. But if they were to go three and one, I you know zero is what it will be. What you if know, those first Arizona, three Jacksonville and the Rams or 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 Baltimore, one of those two, it just ain't happening. Well, I was gonna say, what what if they somehow put together three wins in a row and they beat they beat the Jaguars, the Cardinals, and go into Baltimore and win, where they they do tend to play pretty well. And then get blown out against a good, really good team in the Rams. Then does that three and five look different as opposed to if one of those three win? If they're three and five with the win over the Rams, 
I don't think we should waste any more breath on talking about them <laughs> winning three games of the next four. <laughs> All right, how about this what if scenario? Because I was I was thinking about this because you were talking about you know if they if they have a top five pick, obviously you're not going to know where you pick until the season's over. So say they hang on to Andy. What then if they know they have a top five pick going into next year's draft? What is Andy's trade value in April leading up to the draft? Is it? See, I think they'd handle him. I think they would handle Andy similarly. See, his value is not great there because what you mentioned, it, what you just mentioned is why, is you're not going to trade for Andy Dalton if you already have starters a starter in place. You're trading for Andy Dalton because you have a backup out there and you're a contender. That's where his value is. You could get that next year. That's what I'm saying. You, you, the better hedge of your bets – if you're trying to cover yourself in case you don't get the quarterback, right? If if that's where you're at, is you keep Andy now, you keep him through the draft, even if you draft a starter, let him mentor that guy, uh, and then you come in next year and at the de- early in the season, if quarter when quarterbacks start to go down or whatever, then you could dangle him and he would have more value. His least value, his least amount of value, will probably be during the off season. Yeah. Imagine. I don't think anybody's going to give you a lot to trade for him unless they're trading for just any starting caliber quarterback is where his value is. So his value would be now at the deadline next year. But the thing is, you're you're just – how much faith do you have in Ryan Finley that if worse came to worse, you could trot Finley out there next year to go play? Well, if you have a top five the, pick, then you're, you're figuring you're going to get a quarterback. And then imagine that quarterback derby next offseason where you've got Dalton, the new guy, the top five guy, uh, Finley and Dolagala all kind of going at it. I that, mean, D- Dalton wouldn't fit in that scenario. I and mean, that's my point. Yeah. And that's why I, he doesn't make sense. If you draft the quarterback, you want that guy and Finley and then whatever Dolagala is behind him. You, Dalton would need to be gone at that point. And, but – his value is not as high at that point. So you've got to kind of t- be willing to take a risk or be willing to buy in on, you know what, I think Ryan Finley might be pretty good, right? You've got to think that. And I don't know that we know that for sure yet. He certainly showed he had serviceability. He was not as, I mean, I, I he's not there yet. But if you thought by next year you could have Ryan Finley as serviceable if you didn't end up getting a top pick that was a quarterback, um, You've got you again. You've got to be firm on your valuation of these quarterbacks that are coming out. But that those change over the course of a year. It's it's a risk you would take. But if the payoff was high enough, you would take it. You know how you could find out what Ryan Finley is, or at least find out a little bit more, is in some of these games you're getting blown out. If you throw him in there for a series or two at the end of the game, instead of letting Andy Dalton keep getting pummeled and pummeled and pummeled. Um, in front of backup offensive line, which I, I which Jim Turner kind of doubled down on that again, talking about well we had to get Andre out of there because he's our left tackle. It's like yeah, but I'm I'm just not gonna ever stand behind a team saying yeah take your left tackle out and leave your quarterback in. Yeah, the one that was dead on the ground earlier is ridiculous. Totally ridiculous thought that you would take your starting lineman out and leave your starting quarterback in. And, it's insane. And left guard. And they took, you know, it was only yes. four or five plays left when they took Michael Jordan out. But at the end of the game, the last four or five snaps, uh, one of which was a sack, um, and he was out there with backup left tackle and left guard. Yeah, and the, and the left guard blew it. And you obviously think Michael Jordan's better than Billy Price. 
or else he wouldn't. It, that's, that wouldn't be the starting situation. So you you decided you openly decided to downgrade your line, which is almost impossible at this point, <laughs> to two guys that you that you think are worse, and left your quarterback in there in a blowout. That is such a disgusting, gross offense. That I can't even, I can't even fathom. There's no way you actually believe that. You have to be feeding me some sort of line to say that. No, just tell me they're getting their ass whipped, and we want to see if anybody else could go in there and not get their ass whipped. And that's fine. Tell me that. Don't sell me this crap about how oh he's a left tackle and and we got to make sure he's safe, but we're going to leave Dalton out there to get hammered in the back. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Sorry. <laughs> um. But. Let's 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 let somebody else talk for a second before I get too fired up here. <laughs> uh, let, uh, let's see here. We've got um, let's get to behind the curtain. You've got uh, Lou Anarumo um, and, and talking about this defense, which we have. We spent so much time bemoaning the offensive line and talking about tanking uh, throughout these last few days. Here, we haven't really talked much about a defense that still gave up a bunch of points and a bunch of yards to Mason Rudolph and uh, has had consistent problems with giving up some big chunk plays and with dudes just running free in the secondary. We saw it in both of the blowouts. Uh, so let's get to a conversation with it was it was Jay, uh, Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com and Luana, defense coordinator Luana Rumo uh, on Wednesday talking about the state of the defense. If you look at your guys' uh, numbers, you guys are, in my opinion, Playing winning winning football when it comes to like some key categories. Uh, I guess the one that pops out, I guess, would probably be third now, which is a lot better than last year. Mm-hmm. So what? I mean, obviously you're building. I yeah. guess that's where you, that's kind of where you build. No, I right? think uh, it, yeah. I, there, there's some numbers that I made the guys listen. At the end of the day, we got to win. Yeah, it's, right. it's about winning. Uh, but to show progress to the players from where they're coming from to where they are, I think there was about six or seven critical statistics where we're right in the middle of the pack, 14th and 15th, you know, like you mentioned, uh, third down, red zone, I think we're 14th and 15th, uh, turnovers were in the teens, you know, um, uh, fourth down stops, you know, there's some, there's some things that, and there's only a handful of those, but, uh, um, you know. Third down thing is big. Yeah, it's huge, and rush, and yards per attempt in the rushing game is, I think we're 16th or 17th, something like that. So, again, not where you want to be. Our goal is to be in the top ten, top five, top ten and everything yeah. as you work towards things. But, you know, there is some progress there, and, and the guys need to feel it as they're doing now. we got to play better. That's obvious uh, in certain areas. But, uh, uh, but uh, you know, there's, there's some, some progress being made. I know it's kind of a hard question to ask and answer, but – I mean, you feel like you guys have been on the field so much that if, yeah. if that kind of goes the other way, and yeah, certainly, I think that that could be said for any defense, though. Yeah. I mean, and we didn't we didn't play that many plays uh, the other night. Um, uh, you know, I was happy with the way we started. You know, got the turnover, got the fourth down stop. You know, right at midfield, and um, you know, and then we just we we have to we cannot have three, four, five bad plays. That's just not the way this league works. You know, you got to be good on defense every play. And minimize the damages, and we didn't do that. It's pretty clear what they're going to do. It's like it's like Nick said this after San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They're going to misdirection you. Mm-hmm. They're going to challenge the edge of the, and the linebackers, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's exactly what. I mean, Mason Rudolph didn't beat you. It was the, mm-hmm. the, the, the well. They only had two point six right. per carry the other night. But it's, I guess the passes count as runs. They do. Right? They were eight for eight yeah. in that area. But there was things that uh, eight for eight for fifty eight yards on those type of plays. So. Um, Wildcat shovel passes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, the, the, I think you know, honing in on the run game, 
and certainly, like you're saying, um, knock those perimeter runs down better, and we'll we'll be in better shape. So, I mean, how do you defend Murray? I mean, obviously Murray's good. Uh, he's, a, he's quite a package there. Isn't yeah, he's he's been tough. You know the. People have been getting after him, you know, sacking him and things like that. You got to have great discipline, rush lanes, you know, similar to what we did up in Seattle. We have to have the same plan in that regard. Uh, keep him in the pocket uh, as best we can. That's the plan, and then certainly handle his own read stuff that he does so well. Can you can you scheme against height or lack of height? I mean, it doesn't seem like he steps up in the pocket. Very no, he's often. like Russell. Those guys, they they give ground to gain ground, so he'll retreat and then kind of circle left or right to get back up the field. So, you know, we're going to certainly have a plan uh, for that. And, and also, you know, he's had some balls batted, you know, down because, again, he doesn't have uh, great height. But so we'll have – we'll be ready for that hopefully and get some of those and we'll see. I mean, can you spy him or is that just an eight? Yeah, there's always, you, there's you know, always ways to handle him, you know, which, again, we're similar to uh, how we handled Russell, you know, and I, I don't think he scrambled but one – Floater over the yeah. middle. You'd you know, probably like to have the same result. That would be nice. Well, we'd like to win, but right, yes, right. defensively, <laughs> yes, we'll take, we will take the uh, yardage output for sure. Okay, there's uh, there's Lou Anarumo with some thoughts on what's going on in the defensive side of the ball. We'll see if they can improve that against Kyler Murray, number one overall pick. Uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe things get better there. If you lose this one, look out. What are you winning? Where are you winning? You know, uh, let's go. Speaking of uh, what we're going to be seeing this weekend, I have a, I have a good growler bet for you, Jay. Oh, good. Ready. I am. I'm always ready. I, I'm trying to get off the schneid just like the Bengals. I'm 0-4. You are. I think you should consider tanking and just run out this whole season having to do all, all of these interviews. Okay, um, I'll pick minus 47 without even hearing the question. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> it's a maybe maybe it will be that I. Uh, which, by the way, I want to point out that uh, we are going to have the bonus episode on Friday this week. It's going to be our conversation, uh, your conversation with you were with Arizona's beat writer, right? Yeah, Scott Bordeaux. Um, he yep. talking to him, and it was really kind of. I mean, I know Arizona's bad right now, but just him talking about the state of that organization and what's going on—it's it's really crazy how much they they mirror each other. And we did we spoke. Uh, Tuesday morning before the news broke that uh, Cardinals owner Bill Bidwell had passed away, but um, it is—it's—it's it's really kind of ironic how similar these these franchises are in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, so that conversation, uh, film review with Joe Goodberry. So both of those will be on a bonus episode coming up on Friday. That's only on the Athletic. So if you subscribe, can listen to that. Uh, good stuff as we as we look forward to Sunday's game there. But Growler bet. Attendance. What and, and and what I'm here's my caveat here. Um, not I'm gonna have the real number, not announced attendance. I'm gonna track down the real number. I'm gonna go butts and seats. How are you so gonna track that down? To, are we just gonna yeah. count them ourselves? No, I'm not gonna <laughs> count it myself. We might be able to. We might be able to. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to track that. How about give me? We'll do two numbers in case I can't. Okay. In case I can't track it down, we'll go butts and seats and announced tickets distributed. So we'll start with announced tickets distributed. Um, I feel this is unfair because you've probably looked up what it's. I don't have it. I have not. Okay, I, I, I have not. I just I just thought that it would be a good one right now. So I'm, I feel like this is fair. We're both sort of pulling 
out of the blue a little bit. Okay, I'll say 51, 51, 51. So 51, 51, 51, 51 5, 1, 0. No, wait a minute. Okay, I'm all screwed see. up here. Uh, 51, 50. I'm thinking Van Halen. So 51, 50, and then 1. So 51,000. <laughs> of course you're thinking Van Halen. I know. 51,501. Okay, I have uh, the number I just wrote that I had written down before you started was 48,221, I'll say. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, and then my t- my butts in the seats, if we can get it, which this would be the number one, if we can get it. Okay. I'll say 3212. Okay. And that's probably optimist, a little optimistic of me. Yeah, I was going to say I'll go 30,000 on the nose. Thirty thousand eat right on it. Yep. Wow, that would be that would be about forty six ish percent of capacity. Yes. Go ahead and marinate on that for a minute. And it's, I mean, it's it's the weather's going to be nicer. It's not going to be hot, but there's a chance of rain. So, you know, how many? There, there's not going to be any walk up. Nobody's going to be coming down here and buying tickets at the gate to get into that game. So it's a matter of how many season ticket holders can't find anyone to take their ticket or just decide they've seen enough and they're not coming down to the game. By the way, I'll go ahead and uh, promote uh, some some Bengals team events. Um, if if you want free tickets <laughs> to Sunday's game, uh, go ahead and head down to their pep rally show. Um, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to acquire some tickets. if you. I don't even know where it is this week. You'd have to look it up yourself, or you, you'll hear where they're at on the radio. It's Friday, Friday afternoons, I believe, from 3 to 6. Um, I don't know where they're at, but if you go there, pretty sure you can acquire some free tickets to Sunday's game. So if you want to go, I, I this, this reminds me of how I sort of talked about the fourth preseason game where – it's actually a great game to take your kids to. Exactly. Be- because no one's going to be super angry like the high intensity, you know, like a Bengal Steelers game would be or has been or a game that really matters much. You have lots of space for your kids to sit wherever they want. You can buy cheap tickets and move down or get them for free. You know, kids have room to run. You can go. They they like going to any game. They don't care whether it ma- matters or the state of the team. Take your kids. Good. It's good. Good for the family. That's that's how that's how I I actually think it's kind of a because I would never recommend taking my kid to like a real NFL game. Like that really is like it's just too intense and people get too drunk and they're fighting all the time. It's just it's just a little much. But uh, I will say this could actually be pretty nice for a little family atmosphere for you. The the last game I took my son to was a Jaguars game when Andrew Whitworth ripped off the opponent's helmet and got ejected uh, after he got eye gouged. And then later in that game, we saw a Jaguars fan walking up the aisle past us, his shirt covered in puke. So that was my my son's NFL experience. I I believe that was 2010, so he would have been 10. Uh, the, The other thing is, you know, you bring a kid to a game like this, and if if it is a little unruly where you're at, you just move. There's going to be plenty of other areas to go sit. And I I was thinking the same thing before you said that this is, this is an ideal game. Um, If the weather holds up, the last thing you want is, you know, your kids sitting out in the rain and you sitting in the rain, watching bad football, bad football. Uh, That's a good opportunity. And you know who you might see there? You might see optimistic Bobby and his son who, uh, 
last year would sit there with their laser cats uh and and get super excited uh so you may see him there uh and but you or you can listen to the conversation with him now he's never been more needed uh than he is right now and i think it's important to hear that this is this is this is the optimistic side of things if you're just you're just you've been living in a negative world and it's too much you need somebody like optimistic bobby in your life Myself and optimistic Bobby, I, I allowed him to sort of talk through the problem and 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 bring his his unicorn and rainbows and delicious beers uh, into the conversation. So here is Fifty West owner, optimistic Bobby Bobby Slattery trying to keep people in the right state of mind. All right, it is now the time once again to talk to. I mean, we've never we've arguably never needed this this conversation more, and that is bringing in. Optimistic Bobby, Bobby Slattery of 50 West Brewing Company. Bobby, a, a forlorn nation turns its eyes to you. How are you? <laughs> you don't believe that. I Listen, I, I watched uh, – there are some positives that came out of this. Uh, not a lot. It's, it's very difficult. It's, one of the, one of, it's a challenging time. But uh, I did watch Zach Taylor's press conference yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I watched it last night. Um, it was a great press conference. A lot of confidence in that guy. Yeah, you're still you're still confident. You haven't wavered. Look, I mean, you know my rule of thumb is I'm not I'm not going to quit on the team until eight losses. I'm I'm a little bit uh, I would say I'm a, it, this is probably one of the one of the strange seasons because it, I could see the benefit in them not winning a lot of games this year. Uh, yeah. But uh, anyways, I was pretty down and I, I was watching Zach Taylor's uh, press conference and. The guy just like he looks like a leader. He, he's somebody that you know. I, I feel like he's got a lot of pieces that he's trying to figure out right now. Um, but just the confidence in the way he's speaking, the way he was going about. I just I don't know. I, I, there's something about that guy. It, he was down here at 50 West at one time. I was I was I was uh, I was on the fence about him, and then when he was down here, I was just like that guy's. There's something about him. He just got got something going on. So obviously, there's a few holes that he's got to figure out how to plug. Um, and a little bit of learning experience, but I, I think I think you could take that away as, as, as somewhat of a positive in the team in, in a very difficult uh, first four games. I like I like that. There's there's a few holes he's got to figure out a way to plug. I like that. I think that uh, I think I'll open my next story with that. It's just just got to figure out a few. Uh, Look, he he. I think if, if you're a Bengals fan right now, uh, what I would say is watch the guy's press conference. And and decide if you believe in or believe in this guy or not. He just doesn't. He doesn't strike me as like a phony. He, he seems to be kind of uh, I don't know. Like like when if you were in a if you were like going to battle with somebody and and you know things aren't going your way. He doesn't look. He just looks like he 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 has control over this chaos that's taking place around him right now. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you that chaos that that he's also on the on the hook for helping create. I mean. Just, that's that's part that's part of it. but no I, I think you can't we make I go back to I've been going back to because um, we've seen so many freaking new coaches in the city lately um, you know go back to the Travis Steele experience for Xavier fans right I mean they remember everybody saying oh they botched this high and then all of a sudden Xavier starts to put it together as he gets his feet under him and they put a nice little run together to gain momentum at the end of last season and and you. Different new co- first seasons evolve differently. I'm not going to judge 
him off of these first four games and call it a final judgment. I don't think anybody should or can. I think we've got to see the totality of this first year and the the progress that they make before we go making judgments on Zach Taylor. But it does put it. It does. It does put a little doubt in. I mean, it does. It does drop a little doubt in. You know, absolutely. You can't. Of course, if he was four and zero right now, uh, I think, and he had just beaten the Steelers on Monday night, we would. We talked about this before. They'd probably be building a shrine to him uh, in uh, Fountain Square. Uh, But we'll we'll not the stadium, of course. No, give give the guy, (laughs) give him a chance. But you know, he's taking. this is a this is a new thing for him, uh, and it's just like anybody. Whenever you take over a new job or you take over just like a new experience, it's it's going to take a second to kind of figure it out. And I think the people that are able to, it, whether it be football or whether it be a business or whether it be a, a kids soccer team, it's like you got you got to give them a second to to learn the position and understand. Right now, he doesn't seem to be overly panicked. You could also make the argument if you look at where their major holes are it's not like they haven't tried to address this. You know what I mean? It's not like they didn't draft like linemen in the first round to try to go out and fix the problem. It seemed to be pretty apparent, uh, you know, in the game on Monday. So I don't know, give them a chance, stay optimistic about it. I mean, how, but uh, one of the other great things that came from that game was John Perry just getting called out over and over again, which I don't know if you touched on that, but (laughs) I mean, it is fantastic. It it really was. It was the best. It was the best part of the game without doubt of John Perry having to be called out on having uh, not called Joey Porter uh, for being on the field, but Tessitore continuing to hammer about it. I love it. Yeah. He's terrible, by the way. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it almost feels like Monday Night Football is like flat with him there. I, it's I was, bad. It's it's, yeah. it's it's really bad. I mean, the, you, you, they they were making the excuses last year because Jason Witten and then Nick Booker was in this freaking crane on the sidelines. But it's I'll tell you what. I mean, and that's one thing I've noticed watching the last couple of games at home. It is just awful how bad national announcers are, and that is particularly when you throw in that crew. It's 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 like a. That would be they were CBS or something. They'd be like the C team or something like that. I mean, it's bad. Yes. How is it and how are they rolling that on a Monday Night Football? It's like Romo's amazing. Romo's the greatest thing that ever happened. I, I don't know if you ever get to see that, but yeah, Tony Tony Romo is a fantastic uh, from an announcement. Well, well, would you compare it, compare it to guys like you, you know with Tarico and then you know you see Al Michaels and Chris Collins? Yes. Or, I mean, that's yes. the level that the game typically gives, and you and you're trotting that just so clearly a lack of knowledge of what they're talking about with the team that's playing in the game. They have one team study all week and you clearly learn two things that uh this is like the Rams offense and they and players thought the energy was bad. Like that was what we heard like fourteen to thirty two times over the course of the game on Booker McFarlane. It's like you've got to know more than that, man. Like you just do. I the, their voices are just boring too. I don't know. Anyways yeah. I'm, I'm digressing with it. They did a great <laughs> job of calling out John Perry, which was which really just made it was great. It was it was a great moment as a Bengals fan. It's one I'll never forget. Uh, and so I, was really, I was excited about that. There was a little bit of redemption there. I'm excited about Zach Taylor. I'm going to believe in this guy. I'm going to watch see the season unfold. I think what 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 the hope is is you see some sort of momentum over the course of this year, right? Like he's a first year coach. If you remember Marvin's first year, we what were we zero and three when we started out? One and oh and three and one and four. Well, yeah, and then but the but all of a sudden the momentum started to come on. It was like, hey, we started to figure this out. He started to kind of kind of mold this thing together, and you knew by the end of that season it was like, oh my god, this this is this is a team that going into next year you can be excited about. So he's got some holes to fill, 
But I think <laughs> if we if we can if we can just see a little bit of momentum towards the yeah. end of the year, all of a sudden you can say, okay, I, I can get behind this guy. I, I'm excited. Uh, now you also make the argument that maybe he is intentionally tanking and not tanking. <laughs> At what point will you change your strategy over where you don't care, like you give up after it's, eight this losses, is the, to then then just you're straight rooting to go out okay. fifteen and this and is the hardest. To, this is the hardest time ever. I, I will say that <laughs> there is a benefit to losing. I yeah. don't know how I can root for my team to lose, but there's no anger. If they're going to lose, no, there's just, there's a, to, no, to me, it's a win-win now. It's if a win. You win, yeah. you literally you win. Don't if be, they don't, lose, you win. Yeah, don't be on Twitter, like, losing your mind when bad things happen. You, I, I think you got to shift over and be like, well, maybe this is going to set us up better for the future. You know, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think this, the most exciting thing about this season is you get to look at this team from an entirely different angle. And yeah. I, I, think, I think being angry, if there's, uh, this is not the year to be angry. Like, the worst, oh, the, that's not what's happening out there, my friend. I, I understand that. I know. I know. I know that people are ready to, uh, you know, they're ready to go find Mike Brown and, and blame him for uh, the, the fact that the Bengals haven't won a world or the, the Reds haven't won a World Series since yeah. he took over. Uh, so, which uh, I, <laughs> I don't, I haven't seen that angle with him yet. But that's that, that's true fact. When he took over, that the Reds won the World Series, and then uh, Brown came in here, and, and everything was ruined. Uh, uh, well, so, let, let's let's let's. Let, I, I appreciate your hope. I this has been this has been good. I feel like this has been good logical conversation, and it's it, it's not irrational. It's just it's just you're you're just you're bringing the, you're the beacon of light. Everybody needs you right yeah. now. Believe in that. that guy's good. Watch it. Watch the press conference. <laughs> if only they gave wins for press conferences, then yes. you would feel they would only not they would have more than two moral victories. That's right. Two moral. I, I mean, technically. We're like we're like zero oh and three and a quarter. Oh, the oh two, <laughs> oh and two is what it is. O two, O and two with two moral victories in the bank in the pocket. I mean, maybe that's the goal this year. Is maybe we just the goal stack is, up moral victories? Yeah, like maybe like a one, like a, like a one seven and seven would be or one what, no, that one that, seven zero oh and seven. Or the one seven zero oh and eight. One, is we, one seven zero oh and eight would be a great season. That would be incredible. Uh, most moral victories in league history. Most moral victories, high draft picks. <laughs> you know what? That might be the new metric that I'm measuring. I haven't thought about that <laughs> before. Uh, real quick before you go, I want to talk about an event I went to last year that I love. is one of my favorite things y'all do, and that's the Bruin Cues coming yeah, up, right? Uh, November Great 1st. Lakes, no, November 1st. Uh, yeah. Okay. Bye weekend. Yeah. So, so the, you know the Bruin Cues started because the Bengals were playing the Browns, and our friends of the Great Lakes were like, Oh yeah, we'll just come down there to watch the game. We're like, yeah, sweet. Let's do this. Let's brew a beer and and hang yeah. out. You guys, well, but you guys at the event, you have, you, you guys, you guys come brew a collaboration beer? beer. So 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 we were up at uh, Great Lakes on Monday, brewing with them on their system. So they'll come down with their beers. We'll have the collaboration beer. They come down with their chef, and we just have a barbecue cook off. Uh, you can get tickets to Fifty West on, on our website, fiftywestbrew.com. Uh, yeah. It's a great event. It's, it's a good. It really time. is. We came. We came last year. It was so much fun. The food was awesome. The beers were great. It was, uh, it's all you can eat barbecue. It's, yeah. The beers are. You know. You'll you'll be you'll be very happy. And and if I'll I'll tell you this. If you want to wait to buy your ticket for the Browns to lose a couple times because you want to come into this thing and really talk some trash to people from Cleveland, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Of course. That. The Bruins is great. I recommend you come. But if you want to make base your decision based on how the Browns do, go ahead and wait. And, uh, and let's, <laughs> let's watch them get roughed up this weekend by the 49ers. 
and and hey, just keep our our boy Zach. Let's let's just root for some more moral victories. Get us uh, <laughs> put us in a good spot. You know, show some. We're looking for a, some sort of momentum and some sort of belief here, and, and watch that guy's press conferences because they're good. Know. He's the leader. Like, you guys need to start live streaming them at the at the pro works. That's what. That's it. Happen. Yeah, yeah. Just put put <laughs> put it up there. It's uh, that's you know what I always you know one of the things I've never done. I can't do it because of time, but I always had this dream that like for Bengals games I would go all in. Like I would build my own video mix of like all of the great moments of Bengals history, and then during yeah. the game, rather than commercials, we would like sync those into the TV, and it would be this incredible watching experience. We've never done it. Give me like a couple years because I think this could happen at some point. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, right now it would literally be, you know, oh, we just keep putting the press conference of Zach up there in between the sacks of Everybody Slow motion of him talking. Just yeah. stay cool. This guy, just like you know, little snippets of like smart things that he says that you're like, yeah, yeah. I believe in this guy. He can win. So I love it. Anyway. This is, this is, this is what everybody needs, Bobby. I very much appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to the brewing queue. I think I'm planning on being out there. Should be, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Um, and, uh, we will, we will talk to you again very, very soon. Should be a good time. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for instilling hope in everyone. Who day, Paul? Who day? All right. Great to hear from optimistic Bobby. You need, everybody needed that. Just look, if only press conferences equaled wins, you know, then you'd feel and you'd, you'd, you'd feel better. But look, plenty of moral victories in the forecast, plenty of moral victories in the forecast. Let's uh, all right, let's let's get let's start to wrap this thing up. Let's get to we did. We did our Bengals run pass or boot already on the players traded zero one or two. Do you do you have one for me, Jay? I do. The uh, the Bengals are going to wear their orange jerseys this weekend. So I'm. Gonna my run pass boot for you is which is your favorite alternate jersey combination that the Bengals have? Is it the orange jerseys, the creamsicle look, the orange jerseys with the white pants? Is it the pumpkin look, the orange jerseys with the black pants, or is it the all white color rush jerseys that they just got their butts whipped in Monday night at Pittsburgh? The guy, the color rush jerseys, I think, are actually my favorite jerseys that they have. Uh, and an opportunity to at Jim Ozarski to get people to ask him why the helmets can't be white and black <laughs> every time. I I will do that until the end of days. Every time they win, they wear color rush. It's just not going to get old for me. Maybe for you, but I don't really care because I think it's funny still. Uh, even though he's covering the Packers now. Um, so yeah, color rush I think is one of the best color rushes and and one of the cleanest alternate jerseys in the league. I I love the color. I really do like the color rush. Um. I I like the I think I like the orange and white more than the orange and black. Um I just I don't know I don't know why. It's usually on like a bad day game. It, these the orange and white by the way is like their homecoming jerseys. I feel like they always wear it whenever it's a it's a day game. It seems like it's usually against a team that isn't so hot or not projected to be so hot. It's like their it's their homecoming jerseys and it is it is, certainly is this year with Arizona coming. I've got a stat for you on that. I've actually tracked every result of every game they've worn orange. And um, they, they screwed up last year, and they picked the Saints as their homecoming game, and they got blown out 51-14. to 14. But they had, before that, they had won five in a row in orange and 12 of the last 14. So wow. it, 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 it seems odd that a, a uniform would have that kind of record. 
Um, I believe overall in Orange, they're 22-7-1. So they, they do play, for whatever reason, better in Orange. But like you said, a lot of that is because of who they're playing. Um, uh, a lot of times uh, Cleveland is was the opponent for those for those Orange games. Um, let's see. The, the one they lost was the the 10 to six game against the, the Texans and then the 51 14 game against the saints. Uh, they did, they wore, they wore them twice last year. They also wore them in that Miami game where they were getting blown out and all of a sudden turned it around in the fourth quarter, two defensive touchdowns in one. Uh, this is the only time this year they're going to wear them. They're going to do color rush twice. They're also going to wear color rush in London against the Rams. So Sunday will be your only chance to see them in orange. So another reason to bring the kid down. <laughs> That's it. Kids You're love orange. <laughs> kids, kids love orange. Facts. All right. Um, so my uh, my run passer boot for you was the Cardinals coming to town. Uh, most intimidating bird mascot in professional sports out of these three: uh, Cardinals, Blue Jays, or Orioles. Um. I'm going to run with Blue Jays because I have some in my yard and they are little dicks. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) they, they, I mean, they, they just go after every other bird that comes near them. And it's like, I don't want any part of them. I have a cool name, Blue Jay, but uh, yeah, that, so I I think that that's a, a pretty, just knowing what a Blue Jay is, I feel they are way more intimidating. Um, I had, by the way, for full disclosure, I had no idea we had not discussed this. I had no idea you would have such an <laughs> adamant <laughs> feeling on this. <laughs> I had, I had no idea, man. All right, sorry. Continue. My, my wife has a bird feeder in the yard, so we have all kinds of birds that come around, and yeah, it's just, it's like, if, if I had a BB gun, I'd like to pop one of those Blue Jays because they, they ruin it for everybody. Um, I, <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll pass on the Cardinal. It, it, they can be intimidating, but usually not. Uh, and then the Oriole just seems like a, a fun little nice bird. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what their personalities are like in the real world, <laughs> but uh, they, they don't seem intimidating at all. And if I could throw a, an extra one in there, as someone who uh, for a few years before coming to the athletic covered Wright State for the Dayton Daily News, they would play Youngstown State every year, and the Youngstown State penguin has to be the least intimidating mascot in the country. <laughs> it's this little fat thing that waddles around with a scarf around its neck, and it never, it just, it's its ridiculous. It does these Where's little, a scarf? It, these, these stupid little dance moves, and it's just, it is, it is the exact opposite of what you want from an intimidating mascot. But if the, your mascot the, wears a scarf, you suck. <laughs> That's all there is to it. These are the facts of the case, and they are undisputed. All right. <laughs> mascot should not need a little bit of extra fabric warmth around my neck, like, ever. <laughs> no mascot should. You're supposed to be tougher than that. And okay? they, they don't have football. This is basketball. It's indoors. You don't need a scarf indoors. You don't. You definitely don't need a scarf indoors. Oh, I like it. All right. Um, we, had a, we, we skipped over offensive brute. Uh, because I feel like we should, and uh, I, I don't really want to talk about this offense anymore. So uh, that's that for this week. So we've got our uh, we've got our, our growler bet is set with the uh, double attendance. We've we've gone through our run passer boots. We have we have checked all of the boxes. A reminder: 
bonus episode on the Athletic app is uh, is going to be up on Friday. It's going to be uh, your, your conversation with our athletic beat writer in Arizona, or my conversation with Joe Goodberry, talking film review of, of where this team is at after the Pittsburgh game. Uh, all of that coming your way and more. And then plus, of course, post-game, we'll be back with the walkout from whatever the heck happens uh, when the Bengals and Arizona Cardinals meet up in an epic battle on Sunday at Paul Brown Stadium in front of uh, 32,012 people. Do we need to do predictions? Uh, let's save our predictions for tomorrow. We'll drop them in. We'll drop them into tomorrow's episode. Sounds okay. good. All right. Cause I don't have one yet and I'm uncomfortable about this game. <laughs> not going to lie. Uh, all right. So uh, anyway, thanks everybody for listening to this episode. Again, our, our episodes, uh, post game and our first episode of every week are free on iTunes or whatever is your preferred pod platform. So make sure you pick it up there. Uh, and then our bonus episodes on The Athletic. We highly recommend. We love all of our subscribers. We do everything we can pretty much every single day to make your subscription more than worthwhile. Not just us, but the hundreds upon hundreds of other writers uh, across the country. Uh, and uh, so anyway, if you it, it, it is well worth it. And we do everything we can to make sure that you you are, are with us on that. So thanks to everybody for listening that does subscribe. If you do subscribe, hopefully we'll talk to you tomorrow. But outside of that, have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on Hear That Podcast Ground.